wondered how taboo, shame, and lack of good sexual education have stripped away elements of pleasure in childbirth and parenting that are essential to loving, intimate relationships? Join me for another episode of Orgasmic Birth Podcast, Pleasure in Pregnancy, Birth, and Parenting, as we break down and heal barriers and open the door to more love and intimacy in birth and life. When you're pregnant or preparing for a pregnancy, or maybe you've just had a baby, have you ever stopped to think about how the first 1,000 days of your baby's life and your life as parents makes a difference? My guest today will share how your first 1,000 days holds the key to health, happiness, and your blueprint for bliss. Hi, I'm Deborah Pascali Bonaro, founder and director of Orgasmic Birth and host of the Orgasmic Birth podcast. Besides being a director, my guest, medical doctor, sorry, besides being a medical doctor, Nike was trained to be an acupuncturist, a master face reader, life coach, fertility expert, and healer. She's dedicated to bringing Western science and Eastern wisdom, facilitating the dawn of a new paradigm in personal health, medicine, and healing. Ninka is the co-founder of, and I don't always say this right, but Degorbanis. And I'm going to have to ask you, Ninka, how do you say that? Degorbanis. Gabortinus. And I have to say, the Dutch is always so hard for me. It's a foundation, a Dutch initiative in support of integral body and mind health in childbirth and in healthcare in the first 1000 days. In 2021, she published her first book in the Netherlands called Life Forth. Your first 1,000 days in a new light. I have been so grateful to not only meet Ninka in, in person, joining her in the Netherlands to speak about orgasmic birth, but she's also part of our Birth Your Dreams mastermind as we learn from Marie Forleo's B-School so we can take that information about marketing and online business to our birth businesses to bring pleasure in the way that we share and spread this important knowledge. So welcome, Ninka. It is so special to have you join us today and especially to share not only your story, but all about your new book as well. Thank you so much, Deborah. It's such an honor to be here. I'm super excited that we can have this opportunity and this beautiful conversation. So I know like there's so many reasons that you found this amazing path to all the work that you do. Can you just share a little bit more about your journey? And I know for for listeners, you've actually shared some of your birth stories with us before and they're featured on our blog. But maybe just share a bit of how you got involved and what your own journey was like. Mm, Well, I think I was trained as a medical doctor, so I thought I knew a lot about birthing and gynecology and health and childbirth. I was trained in that, but then I became a mother myself. And in that time, I was working in the hospital at the ER unit. I was doing like full days, the week shift, night shifts, the evening shifts, all this kind of things. And I was pregnant and it never crossed my mind that my work and my work stress could ever influence like my baby or anything I was doing at that time. And, but then my 
a midwife told me like, okay, your baby is growing a little bit too slowly. We want you to slow down because, you know, it's it's important that the baby gets time to grow and we get the feeling that you're quite busy. Now, if you know me, I'm always busy, so that's <laughs> just pretty hard to slow me down. But okay, so I tried and then baby started growing again, but there was a lot going on in my life. Not only the job, but I was getting married. I was looking for a new house. And then so eventually I decided to quit my job or not quit, but take leave for maternity leave at 36 weeks, at 35 weeks, I think even 34, end of 34, beginning of 35, I was thinking, okay, I got five more weeks to rest, to slow down, to do my thing. But then my baby was born at 37 weeks. So, and immediately after his birth, it was very clear that he was too small for his age and obviously too early born. So he weighed only 2,250 grams. Now that's like a big gallon of milk, you know, it's, it's really tiny little human. I mean, he, my husband could put his arm and he, he would just lie there like 40, 48 centimeters. He was amazing. I mean, he did marvelously. He, he was born at home. It was really beautiful home birth in Holland. We do home birth. So it was a beautiful home birth, but I had all these needed these checkups after birth. He needed to be checked. And suddenly in the, in the weeks and months after that, it dawned on me like, wow, I did so much while I was pregnant for the health of other people. And I forgot about the health of my own kid. How crazy is that? And that was for me the breakthrough moment that I decided, okay, I really want to change this. I really want to do my profession in a different way. And I want to learn more about how to support healthy pregnancy, healthy births. And then I had two more boys. You can see them behind me. I just saw that, that their pictures are there. Yes. They're bigger now. I mean, the oldest one is 18. So this story was 18 years ago. And basically after that, I became a specialist with everything concerned about birth. I started my own clinic, my own practice. I now working in Holland, guiding pregnant women and couples that have fertility questions and issues. And yeah, so, so it was really that moment of realizing, oh, this, this is a really impactful period. And that's how I came to the first thousand days of life. Like, why, what are they and why are they so important? Yeah. So what are the first 1,000 days? You know, like when you say that, my mind goes in so many directions. Where does that begin? And I do have to say thank you for sharing your story because I know it's so important that when it's personal, you know, you've taken some challenges that went well but really been able to take your professional life and your personal life and bring them together to guide so many. So how do you describe that first thousand days? What are they? The first thousand days start, actually, I always say you have that those thousand days and the 40 days before. So the 40 days before the first thousand days are the days that you're not there yet. Your parents are not pregnant yet, but they are in the process of making you or wishing for you or dreaming of you or, you know, talking about you. And as any project, creative project, I mean, we sometimes first need to feel into it and dream about it and talk about it and then do some research and read tomorrow and feel, do we really want this? And how should I prepare? Now that's the 40 days before the first thousand days. And ideally, I work with couples in that period because at the time of conception, that's 
you could say day zero or day one, the health of the parents at time of conception are the biggest influence on the long-term health outcome of that child being born. Wow. How profound. That's such a profound moment. We think like, okay, there is an egg, you know, and there is millions of sperm and they meet. And then there is this fusion happening and we have a zygote and it starts traveling to the womb and then there it starts growing and that's how a pregnancy starts and that's where the baby's life starts. And then we forget all of us that it's there. And then at nine months when the baby's born, we say, okay, now it's your life and it's begun. And I say, okay, these nine months, they're huge, be important because anything that happens in those nine months, I could see with my own child. It had impacted his health and up until today, and I'm afraid for the rest of his life. I know we had a lot of parties in those nine months. We say he's our, you know, party baby. So he loves dancing and he's very cheerful. So there's some good things that happened in those nine months too. I mean, that he was very big, big part of and that we feel that continue in his life. So you have day zero, you have the nine months in the womb. Ideally, some about these 40 weeks. And then you have the first year, maybe even first two years. Up until the moment that the baby starts to either stand up or even say the word I. Because the moment you, as a human being, start to say the word I or mine or I am, that's the moment that you sort of realize that you are an individual in some way, you know? Before, when the baby's just born, it is still so much in communion with the mother. Ideally, it's breastfeeding, it's it's being carried a lot, It's the nervous system is not ripe yet, so it's still developing. And there's a lot of bonding and, and, and you know, stuff happening that's important for the baby and that's in the symbiotic phase, you could say. But the moment it stands up and it says I, or it says mine, or it starts to say its own name, then is, you know, okay, the first thousand days, you know, figuratively speaking, is over. Wow. And, you know, I have to say, because I've followed you and your work for a while, I remember, though, and for people listening today, they're probably going, wow, like to think of the really conscious conception, right? Really preparing for that, how important that pregnancy is and, you know, all that up until that baby is that, you know, individual saying the I and seeing themselves individual. That's a huge period of time that's been so neglected by your views and, you know, wisdom by the mainstream media. And another aspect that you're including in there is birth. So like in considering these first thousand days, can you share like the significance of birth in that process? Well, I guess there's there's many steps, even in the evolution, when you go through the first nine months, how a baby evolves, you know, growing and starting to move and and starting to really grow a body and all these organs and stuff. But this moment of birth, it's like you have lived for nine months underwater within the safety of your mom, listening to her heartbeat and her bowel movements and everything that was happening around. But thing was with a little bit of extra, you know, the water. If you lie in a bathtub and you go head underwater, you can feel a little bit like what that must have been like. And now there's this big transition happening and you come out 
And that's not not like, okay, let's go out now, unless it's a cesarean. But even then, there's some preparations going on. And it's a process of being birthed. And what I discovered when I was birthing my babies, I was discovering while I had invested during the pregnancy in communicating with them and getting to know them in a certain way, I felt like, wow, we're doing this together. There's there's a collaboration going on here in that birthing process, especially with my third child, with the third home birth. I was more experienced. I had better preparation, etc. I really could feel like, oh, these babies have a saying in this process as well. And then they are born and they, it's a big change. You go from underwater to air. You go from blood circulation through a placenta and this extra organ that's sort of part of you when you move in and out of to a life without that placenta, without the umbilical cord. And you start to breathe air. So it's a big change. And then you have your nervous system that's not ripe yet. So it has to suddenly deal with light and sound and touch and movement that was not supported by some sort of buoyant water bubble. So it's very, very different for them. They start to suddenly experience gravity. Now, I mean, you know, that's all these different things and it all happens around birth. And that's why we say birth is a magical window, because if we can allow birth to be a gentle process, a a joyful transition, and a moment of sacred meeting, you know, you fall in love with your baby in that birthing process. That's what all the hormones are about. So if that is allowed to happen, if, if that sanctity is being taken care of, and we see that in the first 24 hours, you know, after birth and the first 48 hours, and I would say even the first seven weeks, like, you know, getting pregnancy out and breastfeeding in and, you know, doing the whole transition of postpartum, that's what I call like, okay, then we have really honored that transition in a baby. And I see then we have very different babies because they feel so much more confident. They feel so much more relaxed. They sleep well. They eat well. They poo well. You know, they're happy. They're smiling. I really, it can make a huge difference to the life of a child if that first phase is well taken care of. Unfortunately, in a lot of cases, that's not happening. So that's part of my mission, you could say. And what the Geboorten is, our Dutch foundation is about also, like, how can we look more holistically to this whole process? And, you know, really, yeah, also evidence-based, you could say, because there's a lot of evidence about this, take care of the process and the mothers and the babies and the fathers. So, So much information there. And I know for people that are pregnant right now and they're thinking, well, what would some of your tips be? How can they start this journey to ensure this smooth transition for everyone? What would be some ways that you guide your clients in pregnancy to prepare? I think when you've been listening to this and you suddenly realize, oh, wow, my baby is a conscious being in my belly. That's huge. Because now you can no longer ignore your baby, you could say. So it's easier to connect with your child. And that can happen through thought, through a gentle gesture, just putting your hand on your belly, allowing your partner to talk to the belly. Because babies recognize the voice of their fathers. I mean, they do. 
and especially shortly after birth. It's something they really recognize. They've done research about this. So it's amazing. Like if fathers read stories to the belly during pregnancy, then they read the same story after birth, the baby responds. It's like, yeah, that's my story, you know? So that's simple ways you can connect with your child and prepare your child also towards birth. Like, okay, something big is coming up, you know, and it's not dramatic. We're not going to fuss about this, but you know, you, you might want to prepare yourself because fasten your seatbelts. We're going to have, there's something about to happen and we're here and we're going to be on the other side and we're going to be loving you to pieces. I mean, we're going to be there for you. And even if this transition is nuts, even if a lot of stuff happens and your baby has to go through procedures or it's the consciousness that makes the change because it's about like any one of us, even adults, if we trip over something and we fall and we have a bruise and someone picks us up and say, hey, are you okay? And do you want a sip of water or do you want a hug or anything? We feel so much better. And that's the same thing I want to encourage parents to do after birth. Like explain to your baby what has happened. Explain to your baby who you are and how they can come with you to rest. And all these things like skin to skin, breastfeeding or carrying your baby in, you know, one of those cloths or whatever. You know, it's all ways that baby can adjust and have a gentler transition and into this new phase. Yeah. You know, as you were talking as a doula, I, you know, attend many births and often, you know, always encourage parents, even during labor, like you're saying, talk to your baby, let them know what's happening. I love your analogy. Like if we fall and just someone caring and compassionate and being there to do that. But I also can immediately think of times where birth has been challenging for each person. And the moments after birth, when parents do talk to that baby about it, it's amazing because the babies look and listen and talk back. And I'm sure you have lots of stories. Do you have one that comes to mind? Because I always feel hearing a story of how this is put into action can make such a difference. What's something that comes to your mind, maybe with your own children doing this right after birth or as you guided people? Yeah, one story that comes to mind in guiding someone was it started out as a home birth, but we had to go to the hospital and it was a very busy evening in the hospital. So there was not so much care. And quite immediately after the baby was born, the doctors had to run off to another birth. But it was quite a tough birth. They had to use a vacuum extractor to get the baby out. And the mother and I had discussed, she wanted like, a partly lotus birth. So she didn't want them to cut the cord. So I said, okay. So we said to the nurses, okay, I'll, I'll watch the mother. I'll be there and we'll just, you know, hang out with father, mother and baby. And it was their first baby. And so baby was like of crying a little bit, but not like real full on crying, but almost like, <laughs> like what you say, he was trying to tell his story. And I was feeling the pulsations in the cord. And I think we stayed like 20 minutes or half an hour and we were just talking to him and explaining what had happened and explaining like and he was lying on the chest of his mother and more and more you could see the baby relax or get more you know gentle in its own skin and he started breastfeeding and you know and it was amazing because the pulsations went on a long time there was this really soft growth going on so he was still sort of 
also getting oxygen through his through his bloodstream somehow. And then later on, you know, the doctors came and did the rest, everything. And I went home and I, a week or two later, I spoke to mother and we spoke about like, okay, this was pretty tough birth. Maybe he needs to see an osteopath or, you know, for his, to check his spine and everything. And so she went to see the osteopath and talked to him and talked about the birth story and he checked the baby and he said, wow, I've never seen such a relaxed child after such a birth story. And he has, the the child had already released a big part of all the stress and he didn't understand like how the baby could have done that by himself. And I was talking with the mom, I was like, look, you've done it really well. And I could see you managed to help him to release it by himself. And that's something I say when we have it about the first thousand days imprint it's a very different imprint. If in that big moment of birth, you have a bruise and someone picks you up and comforts you and says, everything is going to be all right. Because that imprint tells you as a human being, okay, shit happens, but there's always someone who's going to help me. Well, if shit happens and there's nobody there and there's no care and there's no one you can talk to and there's there's even a neglect of your pain, then an imprint can happen that, oh, I belong and no one's going to help me. And pain is terrible. So I have to avoid that. I have to get away from that. And, you know, that's, that's, then you go in a whole different alleyway. And if that continues for many, many years, then suddenly you're 30 or 35, you suddenly realize, wow, I have all these contractions in my system that keep me from living fully my confidence and myself because I'm so afraid of pain or I'm so afraid of being alone or, and it can all go back to those first moments. What a powerful story. Thank you so much for sharing that. And I know you also, and I want to make sure you share this too, that you talk about how you can use the first thousand days to discover your talent and blueprint for bliss. So can you talk about that? Well, it's a bit of a link to this story I just said, because I always encourage young parents to sit down together and have a conversation about how were you born? What's the story of your first thousand days? So during the pregnancy, as they prepare for the birth of their own child, they actually go back in memory and look at like, what was our first days like? And sometimes if their parents are still alive, they can ask parents, like, what did you feel like? during the pregnancy or how was my birth? Did anything funny happen? Or, you know, and then they start to realize, wow, there's quite a significance in the major things that happened in those first thousand days and my life right now. And patterns show up, like ways of responding to stuff or certain stress and survival modes that happen in those periods, like imprints, and now are still active but unconsciously. And the moment we start to bring in awareness, the moment we start to bring in loving kindness to those patterns, we break them. And that gives so much freedom, so much, you know, because you become your own authority, your own power when you transform unconscious beliefs and imprints into conscious choices. Like, how do I want to respond And how am I going to deal with this? And it doesn't mean that everything goes away. I mean, our body keeps the score. So anything that happened in those early days is stored in your body. So your body's going to respond. 
it's like a visceral thing. It's it's your nervous system, so it's super, super fast. But when you know this stuff, you start to recognize when it happens, and then you have a choice. Then you can say, okay, oh, how am I going to deal with this? Am I going to do it the old way and feel miserable and feel powerless? Or am I going to do it a new way, which is exciting and a little bit scary, but whoa, it opens up so many doorways. And that's where the real talent then shows up. So beautifully said, right? You've given us so much to think about, right? For everyone that's listening, I really hope you might even go back and re-listen and just take all this great wisdom in. So I want to ask you just one other thing to talk about before we share how people can find you and connect with you. I was just thinking, We've been together for B-School, and I know right now Marie Forleo is offering B-School again. It's a once a year thing. What would you say to anybody that's considering joining? How has B-School impacted you and the way that you bring your messages out? Mm, Yeah, I really, I really love the way Marie Forleo has created this program, how she teaches, how she is such a loving and warm person offering us a whole new view on marketing PR, being in business, you could say. Because as a medical doctor or as a doula or as a midwife or anyone in the healthcare profession as a first thousand days coach, you could say, you know, you have a passion for health and well-being and babies, but you don't know much about business. I mean, for me as a medical doctor, am I the ER unit was always full. I didn't have to put a sign up like, come here, you know (laughs) But then I started my own business and I had to find a way to reach young couples with a strong desire to give their baby a beautiful start, to transform their own limiting, you know, belief systems that maybe tried a long time and didn't got pregnant and they really want to, before going into all these medical stuff and IVF or whatever, want to give it a final try in the natural way. How on earth was I going to reach these people? I didn't know anything about marketing. And now with this program, you have a beautiful community. Your Births Your Dreams Mastermind is wonderful. I mean, a great international community. So it's it's beautiful to meet all these different birth workers from around the world, all having this beautiful dream of reaching out and helping a lot of babies. And you get a very easy to follow step-by-step idea of how can I do this in a natural way. So... In a, in a way that's really congruent with who you are as a being, not some sort of one size fits all, but really tailor made to your own ways, authentically, naturally doing business. And I think it's a huge opportunity for people to join. And and yeah, I think that's also why I joined many years ago. Like that was yes. 2012. <laughs> I know, right? And that's what I love too, that once you join, you're, it's a lifetime, right? We get to do it again and again each year and to keep growing and learning and supporting each other together. So I want to just come back. You said we can, like, I never thought of myself as a first 1000 day coach. So that was like in my mind too. How beautiful for all of you that are doctors, midwives, doulas, right? I really encourage you to read your book. Can you tell us? Because you have a new baby. 
It's your new book. And I have to say, I know right now it's in Dutch, but coming soon, hopefully in English, because I can't wait to read it and continue to learn more. Can you tell us the name and a little bit about your book and where people can get the Dutch version? And mm -hmm. Yeah, so the book in Dutch is called Levenskracht, jouw eerste duizend dagen in a new list. That's Dutch. That's Dutch for life force. Your first thousand days in a new light. And actually, the the English title is probably going to be Blueprint for Bliss because that's, you know, what the book is all about. And you can get it in Holland, in Dutch bookstores, in on Dutch online bookstores, through my website. You can order it and I send it to you when you're living in the Netherlands. And if it's internationally, we will figure something out. And yeah, I'm looking for an agent to help me to bring out this book in USA because I feel there's a, a lot of people asking like, when is the English version coming out? So I, I, yeah, I'm working on a book proposal for that. So that's gonna hopefully work out well. And then you're all welcome to read it in English. Well, I can't wait. We're doing all we can. Anybody that's listening that might have a connection to make that happen, I hope you'll be in touch. So where can people find you and follow you to kind of take in some more of your tips and wisdom? So you can find me on Instagram, Ninka Stoop, on Facebook, on LinkedIn, all by my own name. I have a website called lotuscoach.nl. Uh, we'll put it in the show notes. And I work in Holland face-to-face, -face, but I can also work through Zoom. So I have international clients for coaching, for fertility coaching. I work with a biophoton technology for the fertility questions, being a balanced fertility program that really helps people to figure out on a very deep mind-body level, like where are the unconscious blocks to optimal fertility and how to transform those. And we can work through Zoom on distance with each other. So that's very magical. It's a quantum uh, technology I'm working with. And yeah, the Geborten is, that's the foundation. We put the link to the birth house link to there. So people can read about how in Holland we are working with several people in groups to create holistic birthing centers where this care for the first thousand days is, you know, at your disposal from the preconception care, birthing all the way postpartum and the first two years of life, all under one roof in a holistic health center. Yeah, that really takes care of gentle birthing and orgasmic birthing facilitating that. Wow. Thank you so much. I have to say, like your model of what you're creating for these gentle blissful beginnings, both by having centers throughout the Netherlands. I hope it's a model we can start bringing around the world. I'm just full of kind of oxytocin in talking with you today, Ninka. You always inspire me. I hope everyone listening really follows you on Instagram. Please share, you know, what what inspired you today? We love to hear from you for all our listeners. And again, Thank you so much for joining us today. And I look forward to, I'm going to be following your next steps. 
as you continue to bring your words and your wisdom out around the world. So thank you. Thank you so much. It was really nice talking to you today. Thank you. And for everyone, we hope to hear your comments. And thank you for following us on the Orgasmic Birth Podcast. And we look forward to having you join us for our next episode. Thanks for listening to the Orgasmic Birth Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to learn more about pleasure in birth parenting and birth work, visit orgasmicbirth.com forward slash more for my free gifts. And please leave a review about your experience. Reviews help us to reach more people and please subscribe.